Welcome to chapter one of success in the paradigm process. How far do you want to go? The title is a trick question. We live in a go, go, go society where we're conditioned to want more faster. We're conditioned to try and have everything and be the best. And so it continues endlessly. We'll get to how far we want to go, but let's take a step back. Take a breath. Let's talk about motivation and our own perspective on success. Why do we do what we do? Do we even like it? Does it give us vitality? Are we learning? First things first, what is success? Well, there's no blanket standard. At Paradigm, we believe that your success is defined by you. Whatever it is you do, we believe that it should be your choice. We believe success is living a life that you've chosen where you can thrive. And as we'll see in this chapter, science says so too. At the beginning of AWARE, we spoke about the core emotional needs that we all have and strive to fulfill. Feeling socially connected, valuing ourselves, having a sense of autonomy, seeing ourselves as competent, and lastly, having meaning in life and experiencing joy. In this chapter of the paradigm process, we explore success through the lens of those needs. We look at both the paths we choose and how and why we choose them, but also how we are in our work environment. We look at how we can approach our needs with a thriving mindset, because if we do, Research shows we're less likely to experience burnout. When it comes to our professional life, it's been shown that three needs in particular are important. Self-determination theory, SDT, which is based on many years of research, has found that when it comes to work, we have three overarching needs, or rather, essential psychological nutrients, that we need to meet in order to perform well and stay healthy. One, autonomy. Freedom and choice to make your own decisions. Two, competence. The feeling that you've mastered the world around you and you're able to do things effectively. Three, relatedness. This refers to your environment. In order for us to thrive, we need to feel supported by our community and safe enough to take risks and try new methods. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Success is a complex topic. Broadly speaking, there are two aspects of success, passion and practicality. We have to make money so we can live, and sometimes our choices can be limited because of reality. Or do they have to be? Research shows that those who report higher levels of thriving perform better at work. Doesn't that imply that through choosing a path that we want and being able to thrive in that path, we would automatically satisfy the practical aspects too? And even perhaps do better from a money point of view when we love what we do? We'll leave that for you to think about. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about thriving vitality through the lens of SDT. By the way, thriving is a scientific term. Let's dig a little deeper. What's thriving? In the research, thriving is defined as the joint experience of vitality and learning. Thriving is an internal measurement for growth and progress. It's the feeling that you're moving forward, that your work is valued, and that you're growing both as a person and also in terms of your professional skill set. The opposite of thriving, or failure to thrive, sounds like a diagnosis in medicine for infants and the elderly. It's defined as an acute lack of physical growth, manifest in listlessness, immobility, apathy, and no appetite. Does that remind you of burnout symptoms? So how do we know when we're thriving? Well, we can measure it. Here are a few items you can use to measure thriving at work. These are validated across five samples from young adults to executives and students, from a range of industries as well as blue-collar workers. Learning experiences. 
I find myself learning often. I continue to learn more as time goes by. I see myself continually improving. I'm not learning. That's the opposite. And developing a lot as a person. Sense of vitality. I feel alive and vital. I have energy and spirit. I do not feel very energetic. That's the opposite. I feel alert and awake. I'm looking forward to each new day. Why do we care about thriving? Thriving can act as a thermometer that tells us if we're doing too much and are close to overheating, or whether we're too cold and might need to rethink what we're doing. If we follow the questions above, we can bring awareness to how we feel at work, about whether we're progressing in the direction we're looking for or not. For so many of us, that kind of assessment is reserved for external sources. Our boss or organization likes to tell us how we should feel and whether we're performing. At Paradigm, we think that we should know for ourselves. We need to be aware of our needs and what our thriving level looks like so that we can make the right choices for ourselves. Okay, so how do we thrive at work? Autonomy. There's growing evidence that autonomous motivation is powerful and is associated with high levels of performance. On the other end of the spectrum is controlled motivation when we're forced to do something or compelled to do something without a sense of choice. This can apply to both the macro and micro success perspective. For example, on the macro side, if your parents always wanted you to be a doctor and then you become a doctor without any of your own thought. Or on the micro side, if you're in a career that you love and you feel like you're thriving, but then you're regulated by too many external factors or automated processes, hello bureaucracy, which don't allow you to make your own choices. Okay, one more though. And this one is the sweet spot. Intrinsic motivation. Albert Einstein referred to this as the enjoyment of seeing and searching. When you're purely intrinsically motivated to do something, you experience satisfaction from the task itself. In SDT, autonomous motivation has more nuances. Generally, autonomous motivation means being motivated by a sense of your own choice. But unlike intrinsic motivation, which is value-driven, extrinsic autonomous motivation is making a choice for external reasons like money. In either case, studies have shown that autonomous motivation, both intrinsic and extrinsic, is associated with higher levels of performance than controlled motivation in various work tasks. Competence. Are you learning in your role? Do you feel competent at what you're doing, exercising your capabilities and building on them? Learning on its own isn't enough to thrive, though. Research demonstrates that if we're feeling depleted, thriving suffers. In other words, the vitality side goes hand in hand with the learning component. Connectedness. Research findings have shown that those reporting higher levels of thriving developed more supportive relationships with colleagues than those who reported lower levels of thriving. Feeling connected or being part of a community isn't limited to your work colleagues. There's evidence suggesting that having a supportive partner at home can push you to thrive, which we'll explore in more detail later in this topic. Let me tell you a story. Controlled motivation. I sat staring at the clock hoping it would move quickly. I clocked in at 9.30am, usually one of the first to arrive, and would leave at 6pm just like everyone else. I did my job and collected my paycheck. I didn't stay there long. It was a summer job and I just needed the money. Intrinsic motivation. I knew that I wanted to be at the intersection of creative and commerce. I loved the idea of art that extended into real life. And for me in my 20s, the epitome of that was the fashion industry. I was 23 when I moved back to New York. 
I moved there precisely because I wanted to go into the fashion industry, and New York was one of the epicenters. I had interviews lined up at Chanel and Celine. Chanel was a huge brand, and I was excited to interview with them. But they'd put me forward for a role in the PR and events department, which I knew wasn't for me. At Celine, which wasn't the Celine it is today, but I believe was about to explode with Phoebe Philo at the helm. I was interviewing for a role in corporate sales, or wholesale as they called it. I wasn't sure that was for me either. What I really thought I wanted to be was a buyer for a retailer like Matches.com or Bergdorf. I liked numbers. On the day of the interview, I bumped into a man outside the LVMH building on 57th Street. He was smoking a cigarette, and I recognized him from his LinkedIn profile. John, I asked. Hi. He laughed a very distinctive and infectious laugh. We chatted outside, then continued the interview in his office. He was young, younger than I thought he'd be as the director of wholesale for an LVMH brand. I was at ease around him, and he was probably the most charming person I'd ever met. He was warm, engaging, and he seemed kind. That was hard to come by in the fashion industry. He introduced me to his team, Preston and Sorgi. They seemed kind too. When he offered me the job, I knew it would be crazy not to take it. It wasn't the perfect fit in terms of what I wanted, but I had a feeling the brand would start growing quickly. I also felt like he was someone I could learn from, and he'd build a good team. It felt like the right start for me. I believed I could make an impact within this small team that was part of a luxury behemoth. Things start up with deep pockets, which is practically a unicorn. It was an unusual opportunity in the luxury fashion industry at this level of brand. All the growth opportunity of a small brand at a stable company. Most established brands playing in the big leagues were maintaining steady growth. This could be really exciting. My intuition proved to be correct, and a few months later after I joined, the brand started growing like wildfire. Huge increases in growth season after season, and products flying off the shelves with wait lists. We even started implementing certain strategies on the wholesale buyers that allowed me to be more analytical like I'd wanted to be. I managed to carve out a niche for myself on the team. With all the growth, it meant a lot of extra hours for our small team. But the team felt like a family. We traveled together, ate together, pulled late nights and early mornings together. It never even felt like work. It was always fun. We were all working in an industry that we loved, for a brand that we loved and believed in. I actually enjoyed the late nights because we'd get to have dinner together. The difference in motivation, when I was doing what I chose, leveraging my skills and learning, and also in a team that I perceived to be like family, was a million miles away from that job, where I clocked in and out for a paycheck. And I'll let you in on a secret. I wasn't living in rainbow and fairyland. The money wasn't bad either. Well, that's chapter one of success in the paradigm process. See you tomorrow.